Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on when you're watching this edition of Hypnosis Week Live. Yes, it's me again, Alex Williams Smith, better known to many of you as Jonathan Royal, the British bad boy of hypnosis of magicalguru.com. Uh, as always, that's nothing else about me. It's all about each and every week's guest. And this week, I've got a gentleman with me going to share insights to something that you might think you may never encounter, okay? Uh, but the truth uh, the truth of the matter is you probably will when you least expect it, especially if you are involved in stage hypnosis or doing group uh, hypnotherapy sessions or doing public kind of demonstrations in corporate companies to promote your therapy business. You probably will encounter the, some of the things we're going to talk about in the next hour at some point when you least expect it and forewarned is forearmed as they say further perhaps you've stopped yourself marketing yourself as much as you could have because in the back of your mind you thought what if what if i encounter people of different languages who can't speak very good english what if i encounter people of different cultural backgrounds different religious backgrounds um, you know, you may as a therapist know that in the Catholic Church, they say in their book that hypnosis is licit for licit purposes. In other words, it's fine if it's being used with good intent and good purposes. But there are other religious texts with different out, you know, views and it could affect the way people react. A whole bunch of things that we're going to get into over the next hour with my guest this week. I'd like to welcome the show, to the show who's joining me all the way from uh, Japan. A long way away, please welcome Professor JT to the show. Thank you, Alex. How are you doing, buddy? Good, good. Glad to be here. So, look, right, we are going to get on to all those kinds of subject matters and relating areas. But before we do, for anyone watching who, who doesn't know your journey to here, I ask this everyone first off. Before you were a hypnotist, you, you were you. How did you get to where you are now as a hypnotist? What path was your journey? Oh, God, Alex. Uh, that's, a, that's a long story. I've been doing hypnosis about 20 years now, and uh, it was totally unexpected. <laughs> huh? I had been a law enforcement officer with the government. Oh. And, uh, after I left that, I ended up working with uh, Walt Disney World, <laughs> doing security. Yeah. And then... Uh, one thing led to another, uh, and uh, I wanted to do some self-hypnosis uh, to change some aspects of my own life. And I tried CDs, you know, and it didn't work. Uh, I tried some books, I read some other stuff, I tried a DVD or two. Basically what would happen with me is I would go through the process and then simply fall asleep. Um, I would wake up, no change, no awareness of having gone through any process or anything. Just fall asleep and it was frustrating i tried different things nothing seemed to work um well long story short uh, my wife was going to university at that time and uh we went to her university for an event where they had had some bands playing and this and that going on and a hypnotist and i'm going hey a hypnotist when does he come yeah. and it turned out he came in a couple hours so i went over found the stage and actually got a hold of him before the show all right. Yeah. And you'll love this because uh, you'll you'll see the setup he did on me. Um, 
he took beautiful advantage of me. You'll understand. Basically, I expressed, you know, I can't do the self-hypnosis. I need your help. Is there anything you can do to help me out? And he, he's going, hmm, hmm, yeah, well, I tell you what. When I ask for a volunteer, raise your hand, and I will select you. And when you come up on stage, be sure and follow my instructions carefully. Follow every instruction I give you all the way through till the end of the show. And at the end of the show, if you're still on the stage, I can help you. Now I'm going, what? You? Now I understand. You know, you turkey, you needed somebody really motivated and you wanted something, somebody on stage the whole show to be yes. a great performer. And I was. I was highly motivated. I went up there. I, you know, I used my shoes as binoculars to do a horse race. Um, I uh, was one of the four contestants for Miss America. Okay. I didn't win. I came oh, in second. <laughs> but the idea was that after the show, he did give me a suggestion. You can now do your self-hypnosis and it'll work. Okay. And I walked away from the show thinking, my God, what's wrong with me? Because I remember sitting on stage using my shoes as binoculars. Mm -hmm. I can remember the horse race. I know what my horse looked like. I know what the jockey coat was wearing. You know, the horse had like green silks and the jockey had pinks. And they'll both have the number nine because he'd given us each a number at the beginning of the show. And uh, then I went home and I tried to do self-hypnosis and worked perfectly. So I'm going, why do I have a, a hallucination? I know it's not real but it feels just like my memory. Mm -hmm. And why does some stranger telling me it's okay, now you can do self-hypnosis, make it work? So I was really puzzled and determined, I'm going to figure this out. And I started studying uh, everything I could get my hands on uh, as far as you know, different methods. I studied Ericksonian hypnosis. Uh, I stumbled into NLP. I went through master certification and such. Um, I was very careful because I didn't want to get bound and caught up with one teacher. Mm -hmm. I, I have met some other people who can only do hypnosis in one way. Yeah. We've ever learned. And I was bound and determined that's not going to happen to me. I, as many sources as possible. And, well, one thing led to another. I started doing hypnosis for fun, trying it out. It worked. A couple people asked me, can you do therapy? So I did therapy, and hey, it worked. Okay, great. Uh, more and more people kept coming to me for therapy. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to start charging money for this. This is taking up my time mm -hmm. and doing it part-time. And then uh, one day I was talking, do you know Shawn Michael Andrews? Yeah. World's fastest hypnotist, yeah. He and I were talking well, online. He's, he, he's officially not now, isn't he? Is he? I don't know. Well, let's face it, it's a bullshit title anyway. Anyone can claim it. Um, well, the truth is he was on one of these hypnotist entertainment cruises with Richard Barker. I yeah. did the first ever year, and a couple of years later, Shawn was on there. And they had a battle of the hypnotist competition who could get somebody under quickest from cold. Sean didn't win. It was one of the uh, one of the delegates on the boat one. 
Um, I've, I've got a mental block on the person's name, but by, <laughs> by, by official contest, Sean is not the world's fastest hypnotist. Ah, I didn't know that. Okay. I won't tease him about it, though. But he and, I, he and I occasionally talk online. But he had, I had gotten a hold of him, chatted with him, and I was kind of complaining. I don't really have that many clients, so I can't really go full time. Mm-hmm. And Sean was the one who said, well, why don't you, uh, you know, why don't you do stage hypnosis? And, you know, you can get clients after the show. And, uh, you know, okay. So I ended up talking to the guy who first hypnotized me, James Wand, uh, Dr. Jim Wand. All right, yeah. He's the one who first hypnotized me. So I ended up talking to him. And Anthony Gailey uh, gave me lots and lots of tips. And then uh, I went over here in Kobe and did a you know, 30-person show, which I, I now know is difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I prefer big crowds. But my 30-person show, I had, what, uh, I think five volunteers. I put four into deep hypnosis. Uh, we had a pretty good show. Hey, that's still that's still higher than the so-called only ten percent of the population can be. Yeah, stage. I, I always do better now. If there's twenty people, I'll get eighteen. That's just the way I am. But instead of doing just a generic thing, and this is another thing about learning many different ways, I I really got to emphasize: if anybody's a learner who's watching this, learn as many different ways as you can, because what works with most of the people doesn't work with everybody. But if you can take a moment, walk over there and and give a single special suggestion to that one person who's not dropping and have them drop, that's pretty impressive. And it's useful because once they're down, then they start following everybody else and you got a good show. Yeah. Yeah, I just did a show, uh, New Year's. I had 10 volunteers. We had eight people who stayed in hypnosis most of the way through the show. Cool. So I'm going to ask you, what took you, I mean, because you're in Kobe, Japan. Yeah. Um, were you already living there when you learned hypnosis and started doing shows, or have you moved there? I've been doing hypnosis, uh, like I say, 20 years. I was living in Florida at the time. Okay. And then uh, I started doing therapy and such in the States before I ever came to Japan. I came to Japan 14 years ago. And it was when I moved here that I decided I'm going to use this for extra money. I'm going to start charging cash for this. Mm-hmm. And I started doing work online. So I do online hypnosis, uh, hypnotherapy. Uh, okay. Because I was just thinking, then, hang on, you're going somewhere where, all right, I know there are people who speak English, <laughs> but the, 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 you're kind of limiting your audience, maybe. Although, obviously, we are going to steer into that because it is possible to use interpreters um and in fact you know we'll start with that because years ago Delavar, um who's dead but Delavar, who, who taught me well, 30 odd years ago now he used to do a lot of shows in the philippines and stuff yeah uh, his wife's from the philippines and quite often it was through <clears throat> interpreters now, the only thing that he really went into depth about with me on that was, he said if he, if he did this one thing, then the rest would fall into place. He, he, he said, look as law, mime at the beginning, have the interpreter say the prearranged sort of script you've given them, effectively what might be deemed as a pre-taught, but step away from that because they're saying it. 
right. explaining to the audience that they're not going to speak for a short while because the hypnotist is about to hypnotize them. Just watch. And then literally mime the mesmeric passes and all the cliched rubbish. Oh, because then non-verbally it's showing something and the interpreter, whether you've hypnotized them for real in advance or not, or they just play along and so they're showing what it looks like and then you tap them on the shoulder, they come round and then you start saying things which the interpreter interprets. And he said doing that helps rather than just using the interpreter doing that. He said he found the people took it more credibly because they believed you'd hypnotized the interpreter. I don't know, what's your view on that? I mean, I know he did that because I've seen videos of it. I don't think it's necessary. It's all about setting expectation, right? Mm -hmm. If they expect they're going to go into hypnosis and they believe they're going to go into hypnosis, they're going to. And that's true whether you believe hypnosis is real or not. Um, some of the some of the best people, the best responders, can be skeptics. Once you overcome the skepticism, they're great subjects because they just start following everything. But what he was doing there, he was demonstrating what's going to happen to them. And it's actually something I love to do in a show. Um, if I can spot one person that is very highly responsive already, for example, after the concentration test, I'll do an instant induction with that person and drop one person on the stage. If I see two, I'll drop two. Mm -hmm. And everybody else is going, oh my God, what happened to them? You know, am I, I'm next. And that's right, because they've seen it, they believe it, they're next. It goes really well from there. Even on the second language speakers, if they understand what's going to happen and they're willing to do so, it's going to happen. It's no different. I mean, human mind's a human mind. Right mm -hmm. now. So I, um, found, I found bloody, well, no, in fairness, it's not actually with interpreters I found the issue as much. It's been when someone who's got more than one language um so for example i was out end of last year filming a tv show in sweden and the audience were as far as i knew they were all swedish as it turns out there were people that were not swedish who swedish was their second language but they may have been chinese let's say for example and as for english the teeniest weeniest little bit but it didn't matter so much because there were interpreters this project was about interpretation in tv and god it seemed to take forever to film because i'm used to saying something instant reactions and what i very quickly found was you know i might say in a few months time when you hear this piece of music snippet of music you will be the world's you know your chicken lane square eggs or whatever you're having of flapping your knees bent say it music could start pretty much straight away because that's how i've instructed them to do it because that's how i always do it and it felt like for frigging ever in truth looking back on the footage it's only like maybe a couple of seconds but it seems like forever with nothing happening and then suddenly up the person gets and it was only afterwards i realized what they must have been doing is yeah, the ones that speak of English were probably translating in their heads. The ones that are listening to the translators have got to wait till the translator's finished, which is after I've finished speaking. There's that little couple of seconds 
timeline, and that was very disconcerting. Yes, yeah, that's that's an issue I face constantly. What you do is you say something, you have to wait for the in- interpreter to pass it along, you have to wait for them to respond or not, because if it didn't pass through correctly, you have to do it again with a different phrase, a rephrase that the translator hopefully will change to something else, and yeah. then. Yeah, and so sometimes you'll have to try several times. It can be a slow way to do a show. It's still fun. They still see what's going on. They're still fascinated by it. But you can't do bang, bang, bang like you can with natives. You can't. It doesn't work. You just got to slow down. Well, I, I'm so glad you just said that. It's quite that quite simply you can't because. Yeah, I was dreading you going, oh, well, if you'd done this, this would have rectified that. Um, it's actually, I feel better knowing that someone who, who deals with audiences like that a damn sight more often says, it, simple fact, you're going to have a time delay. There's a time delay. There's nothing you can do about it. Um, if I spoke the language myself, well, I'd switch to the second language and do it. I speak some Japanese. Uh, so as a result, during my Japanese shows, if I see something's not going as fast as I want it, I'll step up and do say something in Japanese myself to push the person along. But I can't do that in Tagalog. I can't do that in Spanish and Portuguese. And I, my Spanish is so far old, it's, it's pitiful. Yeah, so um, basically I have to rely on the interpreter. And that's, that's one thing you have to learn to do too, is meet the interpreter early. A lot of the venues will set up an interpreter and they get there five minutes before the show's going to go on, unless you specify that you have to have them there early. Right. Uh, so, it, boy, if you're going to do this, tell them you want the interpreter there an hour early and be prepared to meet the interpreter and, you know, go over what you're going to say, how you're going to say it, because if they don't know certain words, this is the time they can go look them up. This is the time they can refresh how they're going to say it, make notes on what your phrases are or something. Um, so you kind of do like a, a, a walkthrough. Yes, very much. Of your running order for your show. Right. And there's a lot of people who have a scripted show. If you have a scripted show, great. Go over the script with the interpreter. Make sure they can do it. Um, I have actually asked them to replace my interpreter not long before the show. I don't need a professional. You give me somebody who's second language and they can sort of speak English, good enough. It's the same as if I'm dealing with a second language speaker anyway here. I do that a lot. I don't need a professional interpreter. But if one of them is completely unable or unwilling to do what I'm asking, can I have another one, please? Um, This is not going to work. So I don't want to look like a fool up on stage trying to fumble my way through an interpreter who's not willing to do what I say. Uh, I have, only once, fortunately, I have asked for the interpreter to be replaced just a few minutes before the show. Has any of that, or we're getting rid of them, or, or any potential kind of, I'll call it conflict with the interpreters, could they have a set idea in their head of how they're supposed to do their job, and perhaps that doesn't necessarily always fit what you're going to be telling them. Uh, the example that I can see being that certain certain things we might say in a hypnotic induction process, for example, may not 
verbally be structured the way a normal sentence would be. Right. Now, I see there being two issues there. One, how the frig are they going to interpret them so it has that effect? How do you overcome that? Because, you know, ultimately, I mean, the truth is, I believe, you know, given any ritualistic importance seeming process, the people are going to play along, they've got an excuse. But let me push my my beliefs over there a second and pretend. Well, we'll, we'll, get, back into we'll get back into that because there's some cultural yeah. issues to get involved there, too. Mm. Um, let's just pretend that hypnosis is a special distinct state and one of the ways of getting people into that special state is certain word structures and language patterns right um but how do you get the the interpreter interpreting them i've had people tell me it's impossible to use an interpreter oh it's impossible you can't i have to use certain structures perfect patterns if you say that Anyone who has less than perfect control of your own language, you can't you can't hypnotize. Just admit it. Unless they have perfect language, you can't hypnotize them. Give up. It's not true. The human mind is very flexible. All they have to do is understand your intent. And once they've got the intent and they're willing to follow through, that's it. You're done. It's going to happen. Um, I, I don't understand... You know, we have all of these people developing new hypnosis methods and new processes and, ooh, this this is a new pain control and new this and whatever. It's all marketing. There's nothing new in hypnosis. There hasn't been for 40, 50 years at least, I think. At least. I couldn't agree with you more. It is free <laughs> packaging for people to make money, isn't it? So you want to package it? You want to sell it? Go ahead. I'm not arguing. But don't tell me it's something completely new. It's not. Unless you have suddenly decided to, you know, hypnotize aliens or something, we're all dealing with the human mind. And it's got certain set ways it works. That's it. Mm-hmm. And so it, hypnosis is a lot simpler than people give it credit for. Once you convince somebody through your own words or through the interpreter, it's going to happen. The, the challenge is getting that person to buy in to agree to do what you're saying. The challenge with the interpreter is getting them to pass along what you want. And I will make one warning. In some languages, you have to finish a sentence completely before they can even begin to translate short phrases. Oh, thank God I didn't encounter that. They were interpreting roughly a couple of words behind me. No. So there's been a full sentence to wait. You have to finish the sentence and then they have to begin to interpret it. So if you're doing long sentences, you have two problems. One, you have that pause is even longer. And two, does the interpreter remember the whole sentence? Do they pass along everything you said or a simplified version? So short phrases, uh, practice with the interpreter ahead of time if you can. Uh, If you can't notice when the people are not reacting, change your phrases to something else. Try a different method. My goodness, don't stop. I mean, it's not failing just because a certain thing you said didn't work. Do something else. Yeah, I'm just thinking, oh, look, full bloody sentence. So that that could be like, doesn't sound a lot saying it verbally, but that could be like, rather than a couple of seconds, which feels like forever, that could be maybe 10, 12 seconds of time delay where you're stood there 
Yeah, you, you sounded like you like to go fast. So you're probably snapping out commands. You're snapping out things to do. I have like I have madness going on. So one person setting off someone else doing something. I just yeah, the gap. That's something important because I'd flipping. It was nerve wracking just waiting a few seconds, thinking, are they gonna react or not? Right. But as far as you're snapping out short commands, right? That's actually what you want to do. That's gonna work well through an interpreter. Right, rather than long, right. yeah. If the guy's saying, and, okay, now as I count down, you know, waiting for five seconds before da, 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 he doesn't finish his bloody sentence for 20 seconds, the interpreter's sitting there waiting. So do it in sound bites, like radio presenter, bits. Yeah, and make sure the interpreter knows you're going to be doing choppy. You know, it sounds choppy to us. To, to make the speech in chunks like that. It's rather mm -hmm. choppy, especially when you're doing a like a, a group induction. It looks kind of weird. Bada, 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 bada. But you've got to wait for the interpreter each time. Yes. If I do a big long sentence and da 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 da, -da to everybody, it hasn't even started yet. They're all sitting there waiting until I shut up and the interpreter goes. Mm. So. Yeah, it's going to make it much better. Choppy is better than unintelligible. I know you'll probably say it makes no difference, but I'm going to chuck it out there because my job in these shows is to ask the questions people at home are either thinking or too scared to ask. So you're a man. Obviously, there can be female stage hypnotists and therapists as well. Uh, but contextually, I've got to ask this in terms of Jay being a man. Uh, so please don't send me things saying I'm being sexist. Would you, if you, if you have a choice in the matter, and I, could I imagine this could be partly cultural as well, would you prefer a male or a female interpreter? And is that based on what culture you're performing for? Because I know in some cultures, uh, authority figure leader-wise in certain areas, um, uh, 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 well, a woman's more respected than a man or vice versa. So I feel, you know, it might help. That's one of the cultural issues you can hit. Um, generally, it's not a problem because they're passing along, after all, your words. So we all understand that the interpreter themselves are not expected to be the authority. You are. Okay. Um, as far as my preference, which one I prefer, I prefer a woman interpreter. I've had... Uh, more experience with women interpreters, uh, there seem to be more of them in this area for some reason. I've only had three male interpreters, and all the rest have been female. Yeah. Um, so uh, female interpreters tend to be a little more sensitive to what you're trying to pass on, what, the emotion, the feeling you're doing, and they'll mimic you as well. The men are concentrating on the words and the meaning of the words, and that's fine. That seems to be fine. It works anyway. But you know how when you proactively, you know, emote what you want the people to do, and mm -hmm. now you're feeling more and more relaxed. You know, you don't go, now you're feeling more and more relaxed. Uh, there are hypnotists who succeed with that, but I don't. Uh, when I start making them want to relax, I slow down, calm down. The interpreters tend to pick up on that and pass it along. Uh, the females seem to be better at it. 
the men I had, all three of them were not really doing that at all. They were just concentrating on saying the words I said. So. Well, theatrically, it's a nice visual contrast. <laughs> Have someone of the opposite sex. Um, so, yeah, let's talk a bit more about cultural things, because I, I, years ago, found out very hard way, one example of this, that I was booked to Telford, that wonderful destination of entertainment, Telford in Shropshire, Market Traders Association Christmas Party. Mm-hmm. Um, and how can I say this without it sounding potentially racist? It isn't. But it just happens to be that in England, a large amount of market traders are Asian mm. or either Indian or Pakistani. But there is maybe a third or less that are English. Anyway, they're having the Christmas uh, party. Now, I know some of the religions don't really look at Christmas, but they still went along because the, you know, the, the camaraderie between the market traders. Sure. And one of them had decided to book me because it seemed me sure, but he was a British white, I think, atheist in terms of uh, any religion. So we didn't see any issues with it. And I did what I always did. Lockdowns, got volunteers up. I have them staring at the lights with the 45 degree angle and then pick the ones that are looking as though they're starting to do the old watery eyes nonsense and get someone to stand up and do a drop back for the exact reason you said earlier so it's believable right and the person who looked like they were going ideal get them first was a young asian lady um and i'm not 100 percent sure to this day whether she was indian or pakistan or all I know is this, because this is the bit that's burnt into my mind. So I went up, so I'm going to touch you on the shoulder. It won't bother you, worry, concern you. I touched her on the shoulder. It didn't. I said, please stand up, come this way. I went, head back, eyes closed, three, two, one, falling back. And she fought, And in that moment that she's falling back in my arms, the drop back induction, about six or seven gentlemen, um, either Asian, you know, either Indian or Pakistani, I'm not sure which, but of come up to the front and start shouting. Um, and I'm like, what the hell's going on? I will make sure she's safely on the floor. And the guy who booked me, Mitch, came up and he, he, he must have got one of the elders of the family to come up and interpret because they were speaking in their own language. Yeah. And basically they were kicking off because apparently in their culture, white man should not touch the female. Simple as. Shouldn't happen. Not even a case of asking for permission, which I had done. That's a pre-warning. Given, no, shouldn't be happening. They went mental. I had to bring her out of trance. And um, I did send her back to the audience, woke up. I mean, ironically, she then went under again of her own card. So I did one or two things, but without going anywhere near without touching her that was all new to me back then in the early 90s like what the frig that could have turned into a riot what other kind of things like that either culturally and religiously you've encountered it can be tricky uh, over here in asia there's a lot of variety in different places i've, I've been to thailand and i did a show and actually they were fine i, I mean 
virtually identical to an American audience. They were very open. They had a lot of fun. They all went down. Um, I went to uh, China, and I've been on some cruises around China as well. We had lots of people on board from China. I've done seminars. I've done shows, and the Chinese seem to get you know, a kick out of it. They love it. Uh, one guy was telling me, oh, this is great. He said, it's Western meditation show. Excellent. I so said, yeah, Western meditation. meditation. That's what he told me, Western meditation show. Like, okay, I'll accept that. <laughs> um, that actually sounds pretty damn. That actually in some way sounds better than a stage hypnosis show. It does. It's kind of cute, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, his, you know, his English wasn't great, but he was, yeah, Western meditation show. Okay, cool. But, the, for example, the Japanese, I live in Japan. And if I simply say, Simon uh, I'm a, I'm a hypnotist, the normal reaction is like this. There's this burst of fear. I have to slide into the subject and explain what I do and then say I'm a hypnotist. And that's how I help people. <laughs> and part of it's their culture. Uh, it's kind of new to them. And they do have a historical belief in magic, for example. Mm -hmm. the, they do have therapists here, but they only have a couple of stage hypnotists. And the ones they have, let's just say that they are very, very good at incredibly embarrassing people and treating them badly on stage. Yeah, okay. So the idea of being hypnotized, especially on stage... Is that, more, is, is that because, not so much, Japan, if I remember correctly, is the home of the television game show Endurance. And if people watching haven't seen it, go on YouTube, you will find. This is a television game show where you don't answer questions to win prizes or money. It could be, and this uh, this is randomly off the top of my head, but I'm sure I've seen this. It could be, how many blood-sucking leeches can you manage to have put onto your testicle ball sack before you demand that they are removed? And the bloke that gets the most uh, whilst crying and stuff, they reduce men to tears uh, in the most humiliating fashion. So... That, and that's broadcast on their national television station. This is classed as acceptable home family entertainment. It's not well, as... It's late night entertainment. Is it? All right. Well, I know. Yeah, I'm yeah, just going to look at the over. Okay. But still, if people were going out in the evening to see a show, it doesn't surprise me that with that being seen as a normal TV game show... Well, it's, it's stranger than you think. I mean... Uh, oh, go on. You, you can turn on TV late night and, you know, there's, there's a, what's that? Okay. It's a nude woman being tied up. And I mean, tied up really well. And I yes. realized it's an instruction class in bondage. On no, 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 no. Yeah. An instructional training class in on bondage on normal television. On ordinary television. No. <laughs> you don't hear... This is my ordinary TV station. <laughs> it, it's an interesting place here, this definitely. <laughs> yeah, because things like that, look, I mean, if people are seeing that as being norm on TV, it's so, got to have an effect on how they perceive 
I hate me all Seashore, isn't it? Right. So I believe, if I'm correct, I've never met any of the stage hypnotists here yet, um, but if I'm correct, I believe it's the TV directors demanding something outstanding and, and shocking and such from their show, mm. and that's what they're doing. So uh, we've there have been uh, situations before where the directors here have demanded really far-out behavior and things yeah. to make the shows entertaining. You may find this hard to believe, viewers, but I, you see, I, I, I'm dubbed the British bad boy of hypnosis, and if, but if, if you want the truth behind that rather than the bollocks on the internet, go on magicalguru.com, but you can look on the TV page there, and one routine I did in the 90s, which in some regards I do regret ever having done, but it got me a hell of a lot of publicity, so the other side is, <laughs> you know, do I regret it from that point of view? I apparently woke a woman up on BBC TV thinking that she'd just been raped and that this carrot between my legs was what had done it and she ends up snapping the carrot and uh, and whatnot and then going to apparently beat the crap out of me, at which point I go asleep and she's out. Now, the truth is she was a paid actress. No one was ever in any physical harm because I wouldn't have, you know, or emotional harm because, I, frankly, I just wouldn't do that. But that, without a doubt, is the most extreme routine I've ever done. And it was only once only for that. And the fact is, everyone was fully clothed for that. And any apparent man's willy getting played with, it was a carrot. Everything's filled in in the person's head. I would never dream, under any circumstance, of doing some of the things I have seen broadcast on Japanese television shows that are apparently hypnosis. It's borderline live pornography. Yeah. And again, I will say that some of those you've seen, like if you go to YouTube, you'll see Japanese hypnosis, you know, women getting whatever. Uh, those aren't the real ones. Those are fake. <laughs> right. They're, they're virtually all fakes. Um there's actually an entire movie company here dedicated to making X-rated movies of fake hypnosis sessions with women. Oh. That's, that's all they do. They make fake hypnosis X-rated movies. You say the fake. How do you know the fake? Because that's the interesting debate. Surely if the willing, <laughs> if the willing female follows the instructions, then if you believe hypnosis, if, if you're one of the people watching who believes hypnosis works in the way a lot of people do, which is different to my, it's all bollocks. So let's say you guys and girls who go against my viewpoint are correct. Then arguably, surely, if the willing participant follows the instructions, they would actually become genuinely hypnotized. True, but if you're given a script, you're following it, it's kind of hard to do that. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, actually, uh, one of my uh, one of my friends, uh, he used to work with that company. Right. And so he was telling me about his experiences. He was so a light. He was I a can see how You would have to explain what you do in a careful manner, then. Yeah, because there will be even more misconceptions where you are than the average person's getting in England. Yeah, so, 
Yeah, I, I uh, you know, I, I'm somewhere, and people start talking, oh, what do you do? And, okay, well, I, I'm still teaching a few classes in university, and I'm a hypnotist. And they're all going, oh, yeah, you teacher, teacher, oh, hypnotist. And then I, you know, whip out a business card, I explain what I do, I tell them a little bit about it. Um, usually, within a couple of minutes, I've got them all calmed down and understanding that I'm not some weirdo. Well, <laughs> not that weird, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, yeah. it's uh, it's interesting. But the fear is what is the problem here. Uh, I do have some people that can't get past that. I mean, I I can be very calming and I can teach them all all about it and have them look at videos or whatever. But if they have enough deep seated fear, they're never going to be hypnotized or they're never going to even try to go Mm -hmm. to a show or do therapy. So that's a pity. Uh, and that's that's a cultural problem you got here. How does it differ? You with sport, Matt. I mean, a lot of it will cross over. I know, but mostly we've been speaking stage hypnosis contextually. Sure. Therapeutic wise, um, what what sort of obstacles have you encountered there with the religious, cultural, language stuff? Well, you said religious. That's interesting because uh, in in Japan, although many of them are technically Buddhist, okay, uh, Japanese are some of the least religious people I have ever met. Oh, okay. You talk to a person, you'll say, "Are you religious?" Well, my family is nani nani, um, whatever branch of uh, Buddhism, but I'm not really a believer. Or my family is, you know, we go to this Shinto shrine, but I'm not really a believer. And that's virtually everybody you talk to. Right. So officially they have a religion. If you ask them on a questionnaire or a survey or something, they'll say, yes, I'm Buddhist. But as far as their daily practice, no. Um, They go to Shinto shrines for, you know, the new year. Uh, They do Buddhists when somebody dies. The Buddhist ceremony. Uh, weddings are often Western style these days. They have a Christian wedding, even oh. though it's not Christian either. Bizarre. Yeah, All right, so, so you might encounter it more then. You know, like when you do the cruises. Yes. Obviously, you've got people from that area on there, but you'll have other people who've joined the ships. So you'll have loads of different nationalities, won't you? On, yeah, on, one, on, of the, one of the things I've hit on the ships is we have a lot of people over here that are on ships from, say, Indonesia. And Indonesians are largely Muslim. And uh, the the Muslims are a little confused. Some of them believe hypnosis is haram, uh, which is uh, prohibited. Haram means you're not permitted to do it no matter what or punishment from God. Well, for some reason, some people believe hypnosis is haram. But if you go look it up, and you go you know, redo some research, there's absolutely nothing about that. But in Islam, one, one of the, uh, how do I say, one of the great leaders to follow, the religious leaders, if they say that to their followers, hypnosis is haram, then those followers can't do it. Period. So if somebody comes up and says, okay, hypnosis is haram, I can't do it. I might say, well, 
where do you know that from? Well, I was told by a friend of mine. Oh, okay. Well, then I'll explain to him. It's not prohibited by the Quran, etc. And I can do therapy for you or whatever. That's often the request. I love therapy, but I can't. It's haram. Uh, um, and I explained that it's not haram according to their own religion. Yeah. <laughs> and then if they actually want to go look it up first, sure, go ahead, look it up first, get a hold of me, we'll do an online session. And uh, so I've had quite a few people over here from Indonesia, for example, uh, where the religion would have prohibited it, but if you actually have them go look that up, it's not really doing it. Mm -hmm. Culturally, someone was telling me that uh, Cambodia people won't do hypnosis. I don't know. I've never been there yet. Mm. Um, but a friend of mine, another friend of mine, uh, went to Cambodia and had a uh, uh, how do I say like a I guess it'd be like a corporate retreat. They went to Cambodia. Yeah. He did a show at the corporate retreat. And, of course, the Cambodians were the staff at this resort. And they loved it. And they were asking him, can you come back? So doesn't really seem like it's prohibited to me. Uh, so. Things get caught up in folklore, don't they? I mean, like, I guess that somewhere like Tahiti, um, they probably think they're scared off by the idea of hypnotist straight away, just because it, 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 Tahiti. They were thinking you're the witch doctor. I've been to Tahiti. All right. I've been to uh, New Caledonia and Tahiti both, uh, and actually in both places I just did little demonstrations. I didn't do anything like a big show or something, but I did little demonstrations in front of groups. They loved it. They weren't yeah. scared at all. Um, Even though that's culturally, yeah, tourism-wise, the whole voodoo bit. Maybe, but I guess they didn't think that I was a voodoo doctor or didn't look like one. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, cool. That, that's, a, that's a good point. Which actually brings to mind, I thought, appearance. The way that we stereotypically dress mm. um, in our own countries, wherever that may be, people watching isn't necessarily deemed as appropriate um in other countries for that nature of events you know i mean yeah i mean by this if people watching i think jay knows where i'm coming from but it's like generally speaking you go to a business meeting you wear a suit or at least did do uh but in some country and then you know you'd go in and you shake somebody's hand but in some countries the shaking of hand is it's a no-go area um but also what which way you tie your tie in some countries can be the difference between being seen as the authority figure or a lower staff member and as hypnotists we've got to portray ourselves as being the authority figure expert now the things like that that you've you know yeah, sure. Um, I was telling you about the Japanese hypnotists. Uh, they tend to dress in like a, a, a Japanese kimono, but it's a very brightly colored one. Oh. And I'm not, I haven't really figured out why they're doing that. It makes them look like a psychic to the okay. Japanese. So they're trying to associate the, the psychics and hypnosis together. I'm sorry, that's 
because some people think that's related. And I think, you know, we are just so far apart. You know, psychics are over here and hypnotists are over here because we know hypnosis, or at least the phenomena that we call hypnosis, is real. Whereas the psychics are, well, kind of out on the other side, the unreal part. I won't go any deeper on that. But the hypnotists in Japan have been dressing in that brightly colored kimono and, you know, acting like some weird passes and such. I dress in a suit with a bow tie. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, I look business-like, except for the bow tie, which looks somewhat entertaining. Um, and then they don't know what to make of that. Because it's different, they have to build an expectation from me. And that's what I'm trying to do here. Um, I decided some years ago, when I started doing stage shows here, that I'm going to get to the point where I am teaching this country what hypnosis should be. It should not be scary. It should not be something you run from, something you use for help, something you use for entertainment. It should not be something that is avoided. So you said it earlier, I kind of, you know, went to a place with few customers and such. Yeah. In a way, yes, uh, I did. But once I decided to do this, I decided to change the place rather than change me. And it's been working more and more. Uh, I've been getting increasing numbers of bookings here uh, in Japan from some of the companies, too. It's, it's a little frustrating in one way. No videos. You can't talk about who you hypnotized or show it on video. Pictures? No, no, you can't do pictures. Okay, can I list your company on my website? Yeah, that's okay. So I have this huge list of companies on my website, and not a single video for many of them, because they're all terrified. The other people will say, they hypnotized, you know, that company's people. You know, what are they going to do, you know? It's kind of weird to them. Yeah. But I'm trying. Uh, every time I go to a new, a new customer or every time I do a repeat show, I still ask them, can I do a video now? And the last couple of times, they've kind of thought about it. Well, it doesn't really hurt anything. Would it? You know, I can hear them talking in Japanese. I'm just mm -hmm. shutting up when they say yes. <laughs> because that would be a great step for me, is to be able to actually post a video that I did, just for an example, that I did a, uh, a show for a large group at Kawasaki. Okay? Mm -hmm. uh, if I could post that video on the website and show people that it's okay to hypnotize a Japanese group. It's okay. It doesn't hurt the workers. I'm actually helping them improve something in the seminars, too. That would be wonderful. That's somewhere I'm trying to head in the future. Yeah, and I might well. Yeah, it'd probably open up. Yeah. But one thing I want, I know you got a few minutes left before we really cut, but can I interrupt for a second? Of course you can. Okay. I got one thing I want to say because um, you guys are in uh, England and you're over there in, near Europe and such. So the interpreter thing is really important, I think, if you'd like to expand business in the EU especially or anyone over here in Asia watching this. Um, you've really got to get the idea of getting in there, working with your interpreters and expanding your business out to different languages. There's no reason not to. It works. It works well if you do it right. Just get out there and do it. I mean, sitting on your butt and, and thinking, well, it's hard to do it in another language is not going to get you more business. 
Get out there and try it. The worst can happen is it doesn't work so well. Do better the next time. Yeah. Have you ever, it's only just entered my head, have you ever used, I know you do online sessions with people, so you literally oh, could d- deal with clients anywhere in the world. Yeah. And I do know with something like Zoom, where you can have more than one person uh, in the room, so to speak, it would be possible to have a interpreter online. Yeah, sure. I'm quite correct in saying I'm pretty certain that there's, that there's some sort of conferencing um, platform out there or software that yeah, do you remember a few interprets years ago, for you. Yeah, a few years ago we had that platform named Blab. Remember that? We did yeah. that whole worldwide thing for we were trying to go for 24 hours. That was mm. the one where you had that wonderful argument with the guy from Georgia <laughs> over whether hypnosis exists or not. I love that argument. That was great. I just sat over there quietly listening. <laughs> you find it somewhere on YouTube if you type in JT. Yeah, and Come Look up Professor JT, but that was a great argument. But um, there's got to be ways where we can get online, have a group of people, and have an interpreter working with us as well. Sure. Uh, I think Zoom allows four people, so you'd have you, an interpreter, and two people. That's not great. But it's not, you know, better than nothing. Uh, but it's not something you've encountered yet. Can I, I'm sure I read somewhere that the software that, like, will automatically translate, you speak and it translates. <laughs> Wait five years. Right. Uh, I don't know what you guys have over there, but we've got a system here. Uh, it's a little handheld device called Pocket Talk. And you can look it up, Pocket Talk. And uh, if it will connect, it connects to Wi-Fi anywhere in the world. It's got like, you, you pay for this and it's got all these connections in cities around the world. And if it's connected to one of the uh, Wi-Fi systems, or not Wi-Fi, but like a 3G or 4G phone system. Yeah. yeah. It connects automatically to one of those. You've already paid for the worldwide hookups when you buy the machine and I think you have to buy more every two years or something but you speak your language it speaks the next language then it listens to what the other person says and repeats back to you in your language right okay already in existence and they're much better than people think um and I used to work with computers a lot uh five years these things are going to be putting interpreters out of business. I was going to say, because surely couldn't you, if there's such a thing as, say, a headphone socket on these things, couldn't you, from the headphone socket, rather than going to uh, put it into a, um, you'd have to have a wireless connector, like for a radio mic, which you could, but you can attach one of them. If you add it, the radio mic transmitter thing, transmit into an amplifier, couldn't you literally, like, be saying your thing but leave pauses and have that bloody translate and go through the amp so that people are hearing that yes you sure could wow that's what i'm saying in five years these things are going to be putting the interpreters out of business wow Uh, i've got a program right now on my computer it's called dragon naturally speaking and it's one of the you you talk into it and it types It's awesome. I've been using it for years, and every new version is even better and better. Uh, so now it figures out where paragraphs are by itself. It already ends the sentences. You know, 
It knows the grammar, so if I screwed up the grammar, it'll even show me where I messed up later to go back and edit it. Um, some of these programs are getting great. So right now we have to deal with interpreters, but like I said, maybe in five years, seriously, 2025, these things are going to be so good, they're going to be putting interpreters out of work for the normal tasks. Yeah. Wow. And yeah. if you get on that path, before everyone else jumps on it, you'll already be able to get your little piece of the cake, as it were. Excellent. We are running fast out of time, but don't worry, we're probably going to go slightly over the hour because purely and simply because this question that I ask everyone at the end normally takes at least five minutes to answer. Um, as I always say to people, watch this again from the beginning, but with a, a notepad and pen in hand. By now you should like, have notes from each week because there are there's way more been discussed in the past hour than you might realise at first sight. There is the opportunity for you to expand your business, both whether it's therapeutically or entertainment-wise, by taking on board what Jay has shared with you, which are very important things that a lot I shared with you. I, I overlooked these things and I never considered them. If you consider them in advance investigate then you're not going to end up nearly having a heart attack like i did years ago when everyone sh sh you know shouting angrily because i touched somebody um you're not going to stand there thinking i'm going to pass out any minute if somebody doesn't start reacting to what i've just said soon because of the, the time delay you'll know about these things so it's really please do uh pay attention but before we get jay to share his website where to go and find out more information and stuff i'm going to ask him the question we always ask everyone which is purely hypothetically somebody knocks on your door now knock 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 and they've got in their hand i use the same book i always do they've got dave albans green or blue covered both versions out there hypnotherapy book and they say i've just read this i've not read anything else I've not watched anything else. I've not been on any live courses yet. But I've just read this and I've decided that I want to become a hypnotherapist or a stage hypnotist or both. And they say, what would your three tips, your three best bits of advice be in terms of where I should move forward to avoid making the mistakes that many others do? All right. Three tips for a beginner, in other words, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number one, don't give up your day job right yet. Um, it takes time to get good at doing hypnosis or especially hypnotherapy because there's so many things to go and learn. Um, you're not going to do it, you know, bang and, and be a success instantly. Even if you're the type of person who reads something once and you're professional at it, it takes time to build your business. It doesn't happen overnight. So, as for me, I was uh, here in Japan already teaching language. I'm teaching English. Uh, I still teach occasionally at the universities. And uh, until I got into where that was stable, I didn't really fool with the hypnosis much. I got myself stable with the job first, then worked on building the hypnosis business here in Japan. And that's something I continued bit by bit, pushing, pushing. As the hypnosis grew, I dropped off the business. So, so now uh, it's roughly a little over half and half as far as uh, I'm making 
60% or 70% hypnosis now and the rest of it's from the teaching. Okay. Um, so uh, that's, that's the number one. Don't give up your job suddenly expecting, you know, you're going to get rich or something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you might get lucky. If you get lucky, that's when you give up your job. Okay. Number two, um, you're going to have to study and you're going to have to learn as much as possible. And my way of saying as many ways as possible. A lot of people start hypnosis and they're excited and they get out there and they learn something and they start working and then they get bored and they give it up and they go back to what they were doing before. And the number one reason, in my opinion, they found a way, just one way to do hypnosis or one way to use hypnosis that wasn't that interesting to them. I like doing therapy. Therapy was fun. But the first time I went on stage, I thought, hell yeah, this is awesome. I get paid to get up here and have fun fucking around with people's minds. Um, how can I make this, 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 this my main? Make the therapy my second. Mm -hmm. And that's what I've been doing is pushing the, the uh, stage. I love it. So, but if I'd have given up because I wasn't really having fun doing therapy, well, I really would have missed out. This is where I want to be. So learn it and don't give up is number two. And number three is just keep going. Uh, no matter what happens, keep going. You, it doesn't matter if you're in the middle of a stage show. It doesn't matter in your middle of a therapy and something starts to go to hell. You can't stop in the middle. And that applies to building your business. That applies to doing the therapy. That applies to doing a stage show. That applies to everything. Don't stop. If you stop in the middle, it'll all collapse. If you keep pushing forward, you get through to a point where it'll all hold together when you stop. But you can't stop until you get there. You can't stop until you get over the bridge. That'd be my third advice. Excellent. And one thing that just jumped into my head completely unrelated, but into, well, it's not completely unrelated because it's to do with building business and credibility, is if you viewers go on YouTube and type in JT, uh, or you go on Facebook and visit JT's uh, Facebook page, that especially the first thing you will notice is a video playing across the top. Uh, there's tons yeah. of people on set and you see, see it, I don't need to say much more than that, go look at it, see it, and when you see it, you'll go, wow, yeah, that um, establishes credibility, that uh, immediately visually shows this is somebody worth booking, and that's a key point of building up. You're building up that credibility and perception and stuff, which you can see done incredibly well on that Facebook page when you go on. What's your website, Jay, for people to go and see more? I'm at zapmy, uh, zapmymind.com. Nice and easy, but if you're lazy, just click the link that will be underneath this video when it goes live. Make it even easier for you. Thank you very much indeed. I've also sent a link, uh, especially oh. for people interested in doing interpreters. There's a, a link I'm going to send you. It's on my website. It's all the advice I had written for tips for using interpreters for shows. Oh, excellent. Most of those tips work for therapy, too. So whatever they're using it for, follow that other link to that article. I will put that underneath the video as well, then, because... It's, it's, it's no secret this has been pre-recorded on the 31st of January 2020 uh, it will go out in a few days time so I'll, have to, I'll be able to put the 
link underneath. Go and have a read of that because it'll expand on topics that have been covered here. And it is something that I think, in terms of opening up other markets to you, is something you should be looking at. Uh, so thank you very much indeed for your time, Jay. It's been an absolute thank pleasure. Thanks for watching again, guys and girls. Please share this video around everywhere to share the love and help other people. And uh, we'll see you next week for another edition of Hypnosis Week. Bye for now.